Hello and welcome to Kes Talks, talks for our times from the Keswick Convention. This week we're making available to you all the talks from Virtually Keswick Convention. The online event held in 2020 in place of the annual summer convention in Keswick. This means you can easily catch up on any of the talks that you might have missed. This episode brings you the third evening celebration of the week by Amy or Ewing on Romans 15, 1-13. Welcome to Keswick Online Together. It's a great privilege to join you and tonight we're going to be looking at this question, how can I hope the scriptures? We're looking at Romans chapter 15, 1 to 13. We might start by asking the question, what is hope? Well here the Greek word means to anticipate, to usually anticipate with pleasure. It has a sense of expectation, both abstract and concrete or, or confidence. What are you hoping for? What are you looking forward to? Well, during the lockdown, my teenagers have been regularly extolling the merits of various fast foods in great detail. We've had Nando's and McDonald's and KFC described with absolute detail. And they'd be looking forward to the longed for day when they might once again taste the delights of their favourite fast food. For weeks, they've been hoping for that day, checking the news, when is McDonald's going to open, anticipating it with pleasure, expectation and confidence that one day soon they're going to be able to bite into that Nando's chicken wing roulette or that that Big Mac. It was a source of, of delight and encouragement to them to look forward with anticipation. But what are you looking forward to? as a Christian, what are you putting your hope, your expectation, your anticipation into? Hope is a desperately needed thing in our culture as we face such uncertain times. Our jobs, our churches, our communities have been massively, massively impacted by the pandemic and the subsequent lockdown. But is there Christian hope that is more than a vague sense of positive thinking that one day things are going to get better, better days are ahead of us and you know things can only get better. Is there something more than that kind of positive thinking sentimentality? Are there any certain or secure anchors for Christian hope? In the book of Romans, Paul writes this. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragements they provide, we might have hope. In other words, the scriptures are a secure anchor of confidence, that Christian hope is solid, that it's substantial and real, that what was being written down in the past, in the scriptures, has been done so carefully, that this can be trusted, this is not Um, some sort of religious mythology thrown together in a haphazard way. 
In fact, you know, the Bible is the most scrutinised and challenged book that the world has ever known. And yet time and time again, its accuracy and its integrity are upheld by those who examine it. Luke writes, in the 15th year of the realm of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Ituria, and Trachontius and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. In other words, Luke places his writing firmly in history. He, he's specific. We know that the 15th year of Tiberius was 27 AD. It was once said that Lysanias of Abilene was executed by Mark Antony in BC 34. And those scholars that, that, that noticed that said, Luke must have got this wrong. He's mentioning someone who did exist, but locating him in the wrong time period. But more, fasc more fascinatingly recently, this um, has been shown to be wrong. Inscriptions have been found of a later Lysanias who was Tetrarch of Abilene, and this was exactly when Luke said it was. The historian Edward Mayer puts it like this. He said, Luke is entirely correct. In fact, Luke is now considered to be a first-class historian by ancient historians, and his attention to detail has been underscored time and time again. You see, the scriptures are historically trustworthy. That's a tiny example from Luke's gospel. But here in Romans, Paul shares that the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide actually produce hope in the heart of the believer. And because the scriptures can be trusted, that hope is solid. By digging into the Bible, by digging into scriptures written down for us in the past, Paul is saying that as Christians, we can exercise that muscle of Christian hope through learning the endurance that they teach and through the encouragement that they actually impart to us. Ravi Zacharias, uh, my late boss, shared that he was ministering in Vietnam in 1971 and he had an interpreter who was called Hien Pam. This man worked with him as a translator and had worked with the Amer American forces. And Hien travelled with Ravi up and down the countryside and they became very close, ministering together. And at the end of that trip, Ravi didn't know if their paths would ever cross again. But 17 years later, he received a phone call from Hien and Ravi said that he immediately recognised his voice. And Hien told Ravi his story. He said that shortly after Vietnam fell, he was imprisoned on accusations of helping the Americans. And his jailers tried to indoctrinate him against democracy and against Christianity. He was forced to read communist propaganda in French and Vietnamese. And the daily sort of deluge of Marx and Engels began to take its toll on this man. He then thought, maybe I've been lied to, maybe God doesn't exist, maybe the West has deceived me. And so he decided when he woke up the next day, he wasn't going to pray again or think about his faith. The next morning in the camp, he was assigned the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrines. And as he cleaned out a tin can overflowing with toilet paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English written on the page. And he grabbed it, washed it, and after his 
um, roommates had gone to sleep that night, he retrieved the paper and he read the words, Romans 8. Trembling, he began to read. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Going on, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He then wept because he knew his Bible and he knew that there was not a more relevant passage for someone on the verge of giving up. He cried out to God asking for forgiveness. This was supposed to have been the first day that he wouldn't start his day in prayer, but evidently God had other plans. And as it was, there was an official in the camp who was using a Bible as toilet paper. And so Hien asked the commander if he could clean the latrines regularly. And every day he got another portion of scripture, cleaned it off and added it to his collection of nightly reading. And so when the day came through an equally providential set of circumstances for Hien to be released from prison, he made plans to start leaving Vietnam and to construct a boat for his own escape and the escape of 53 other people. Everything was going according to plan until a couple of days before their departure and four Viet Cong knocked on Hien's door and said that they'd heard that he was trying to escape. He denied it and they left and he felt quite relieved but at the same time a little bit, a bit disappointed with himself. He'd made um, he, so he got down on his knees and he made a promise to God saying that if they came back, he would tell them the truth. And so when a few hours before they were due to sail, the Viet Cong returned and questioned him, Hien confessed the truth. And to his astonishment, the Viet Cong leaned forward and in hushed tones asked if they can come along too. So in an utterly amazing escape plan, um, 58 people found themselves on the high seas, engulfed by a violent storm. Hien cried out to God, did you bring us here to die? And he said on the phone to Ravi, brother Ravi, if it were not for the sailing ability of those four Viet Cong, we would not have made it. Hien arrived safely in Thailand and now lives in America. What are you looking forward to? What is the basis of your hope? Here Paul tells us to turn to the scriptures and learn the endurance of the Lord Jesus and receive the encouragement from his word that you need. Don't give up on God. Don't dismiss hope as wishful thinking. Biblical hope is rooted in reality and rooted in the truth of the Bible and that cannot be shaken. Receive the encouragement of God's word right now, just like he unpounded, that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So hope is rooted in scripture. But then we see that one of the overflows of that is unity and mission. May the God of hope who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth 
so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And then Paul goes on to quote from the Old Testament text of scripture, speaking of how the Gentiles and all people will extol God and how the root of Jesse will spring up, arise to rule over the nations and in him, in Jesus, the Gentiles will hope. God gives endurance and encouragement. And Paul believes that that is an, a, a, an outflow of, of, of the scriptures, is that endurance and encouragement. And then an outflow of that will be unity. He will give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Jesus had, says Paul, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God. Unity with other Christians is a fruit of this hope and encouragement. So how much evidence of hope is there in your life and my life? The one mind and one voice thing, how, how's that going? Paul goes on to emphasise that Jesus came as a Jew so that the promise to Abraham might be fulfilled. That's the promise of, of being a blessing to all nations and a light to the Gentiles. The presenting issue of disunity in the Roman church was Jew-Gentile. For us, racial tensions may be different, but the fundamental truth that Christ came for all nations, that all people is powerful and countercultural as much today as it ever has been, and it is under siege. This truth is under siege from the intersectionality culture warriors who see Christianity as the lifeblood of colonisation and empire. Yet Christ came that the Gentiles might glorify God, since all are equal, all are image bearers of God, all are loved by him. This truth that Christ came for all is also under siege from pluralists who tell us that all views and all paths to God are the same and that no one can make an exclusive truth claim all the while claiming that pluralism is exclusively true. Yet, Christ came that the Gentiles might glorify God. This truth is under siege from the white supremacists who claim Christ as the icon of whiteness for a so-called Christian nation. Yet, Christ came that all Gentiles might glorify God. This truth is also under fire from the progressives with their vision of self-improvement and self-realisation their myth of constant human progress. Yet Christ came that all Gentiles might glorify God and he needed to become because we cannot save ourselves. It says the insults and sins of the world needed to fall on him. Do you feel weary at the scandals and confusions and disunities in the church? Look to Christ in the scriptures, says Paul, and receive encouragement and hope today. His truth is rooted and trustworthy and real. Intersectionality, pluralism, supremacy, white supremacy, self-realisation, they all leave us hopeless in self-loathing and in division. It is Christ and Christ alone who can save us. Look to him for hope. Read the scriptures and receive his encouragement and his strengthening. And the, and the passage says that this will lead to overflow. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. 
Hope is God's. He is the God of hope. He is the one who can fill us with hope and hope's bedfellows, joy and peace. Trust in him. Receive from him. The promise is real. You and I can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? What might it look like to overflow with hope? One example of what that might look like to overflow with hope comes from northern Nigeria. A dear friend of mine is um, a Christian worker there, a Nigerian, and he had seen amazing things happening. He'd seen many, many people come to Christ, including from Muslim backgrounds. And he told the story of one friend who'd, who'd come to know Jesus and had decided to stay within the mosque community in order to reach others with the gospel. And one day my friend received a call from this man who was kind of undercover, I guess, in the mosque, sharing Christ with, with his Muslim family and friends. And the man revealed that he'd been discovered. His cover was blown and that he was in a house now surrounded by militants who'd come there with machetes and guns to kill him. As he was making the call, he and his wife were lying down on the floor of that house calling my friend. My friend described that feeling of responsibility for this Christian brother and sister in such a situation. He described the feelings of being overwhelmed um, by, by the, the loss that he knew was coming, that this man was going to die for his faith. And he, he just got into his car by instinct um, to, to drive there. And his children got into the car. He was driving them um, to school on the way as well. And they were in the back and he was just overwhelmed with, with trying to get to this man and his friend. And as they're driving down this track towards the house where this man and his wife were, my friend was driving and he realised that the crowd of militants who'd almost certainly killed his friend were now walking towards his car. And my friend is ordained, he was wearing a dog collar and immediately by instinct, he took the dog collar off and he turned the Christian music, the worship music on his radio down. And his son, his 12 year old son from the back of the car piped up and said to him, Daddy, don't you want them to know we're Christians? My friend felt very convicted. As a family, they'd made a decision that if they were ever in the situation where they were asked to deny Christ at gunpoint, that they were not going to give up their faith. And here was his son asking, Daddy, don't you want them to know we're Christians? Encouraged by that word, he put the dog collar back on and he turned the Christian music back up and he began to drive and the crowd parted as his car drove and everybody looked into the car. My friend thought, this is gonna be it, my children and I are gonna die. But the crowd just parted and they kept driving. As they drove up to the house and walked into the house, the man had in fact survived, as had his wife. My friend um, looked at his son, looked at his children, and they experienced the joy and peace of putting their hope in God, even when their life was most likely at, at an end and they, they rejoiced together and worshiped the God of hope and truth.
What does hope and an overflow of it look like? It's about God. And so it necessarily transcends circumstances. Hope is not about whether the answer to prayer happens or not. If you answer my prayer, then I'll overflow with hope and trust. No, this is God's hope, filling us with joy and peace that only he can impart. Can you trust him with the situations in your life? Can you truly trust him, whatever the outcome, that he is the one who can impart that hope into your heart and give you that joy and peace that the, that the scriptures promise here? How can I hope? As we read the scriptures, as we dig into the scriptures, knowing with confidence that there's a reliability, there's an authenticity there, Paul reminds us that we can learn the endurance taught in the scriptures and we can receive the encouragement they provide that we need. How can we hope? We can dig into the scriptures together. How can we hope? We can begin to see a, a flow of, of unity and mission as we trust in Christ and as we dig into the scriptures. And then how can we hope we can receive that overflow? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with power, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why don't we pray now and ask that that happen wherever we are, sitting in our homes, watching this, engaging with this. Why don't we invite the Holy Spirit to do that, to fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that your word is reliable and trustworthy. Would you come now into our homes and into our hearts and fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might overflow with joy and peace as we trust in you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Talks from Virtually Keswick Convention are all being made available through Kes Talks. You can access them through iTunes and Spotify, as well as your favourite podcasting apps. You can also watch the sessions via the Keswick Convention YouTube channel or by visiting the Virtually Keswick website at vkc.keswickministries.org.